Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Maybe somebody you've noticed, you've been watching, you're connected to them to a certain extent, and, and, and they're, they're slipping or, or they're caught in, you know, they're not, not caught in a groove, they're caught in a rut, and they're heading down the wrong way. And you, you notice that and you want to help to pull them out of that. You have no control over how they're going to respond. You have no control over how they're going to take that gentleness and compassion that you display to them and, and make the right decisions. You have no control over that at all, at all. But you do have the responsibility to come alongside them and say, hey, I've noticed. When you witness the destruction of sin in a Christian brother or sister's life, what should you do? The easy thing is to overlook it. You don't know how they're going to take it, and it's not really your business anyways, right? The truth isn't so easy. As Pastor James will challenge us in today's message, ignoring destructive behaviors in anyone isn't loving. Your motive should not be to exercise spiritual authority, but to serve that person in grace and compassion, pushing them closer to Christ. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I'm going to jump back and forth from uh, ESV to New Living Translation just to kind of break some of this stuff down. But it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, or New Living, Translations, New Living Translation says, if, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, right? If anybody's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, that's mature spiritually, okay? Not you think you're spiritual, okay? But you actually are spiritually mature. Should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So if anybody's caught up in a transgression or is, is snagged by one of these things, um, it, it's a, it's not, again, it's not the habitual, it's just, a, it's the slip up, okay? It's the slip up. It's, or maybe they, you know, they've, they've gotten sidetracked by this one thing and you can go back through the list and all that good stuff. But if you notice that within the fellowship, if you're spiritual, um, you should be exercising the fruit of the spirit of gentleness, okay? Because we just saw that in chapter five. Uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit, and I say fruit because technically they're all like, it's not fruits, okay? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is one of those. And the definition, if I could remind you guys of that, is submissive to God's Word and considerate of others. So that's gentleness, biblically. You're being submissive to God's Word, and you're being uh, gentle or, or considerate of others. So what, he's, what Paul is saying is like, look, if anybody's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you take notice of this, well, then you should come alongside them gently and help to restore them. The goal is always restoration, always restoration. I was taught that as soon as I walked into the ministry because I got to experience other just crazy things. 
you know, on-the-job training, like first week in ministry, and it's like, boom, here you go. Now deal with this. Now deal with that. Now deal with this. And it's like, well. So Pastor Bill pulled me aside, and he said, listen, the goal, when it comes to sin, the goal is always restoration. It's always restoration. You have no control over that. So let me ease the burden from you, so to speak. You have no control over that. You have no control over maybe somebody you've noticed, you've been watching, you're connected to them to a certain extent, and, and, and they're, they're slipping or, or they're caught in, you know, they're not, not caught in a groove, they're caught in a rut, and they're heading down the wrong way, and you, you notice that and you want to help to pull them out of that. You have no control over how they're going to respond. You have no control over how they're going to take that gentleness and compassion that you display to them and, and make the right decisions. You have no control over that at all, at all. But you do have the responsibility to come alongside them and say, hey, I've noticed. You doing okay? You doing okay? Is everything all right? Can I pray for you? And not because you're nosy, because the church needs, doesn't need any more nosy people, right? <laughs> like, we don't need that. We don't need, you know, any gossiping or anything like that. We need brothers and sisters who know how to come along a wounded warrior and say, hey, how can I shoulder this burden? Because technically, that's what this is talking about. And somebody who is, they're wounded. Like, the enemy has had them in their targets, and he's just nailed them right in the chest. He's just nailed them right in the chest. Well, if you're mature, you've been down this road you know, plenty of times before, then it, it's your job. If, if a soldier is wounded on the battlefield, could be because of their own stupidity, or it could be that they're just blindsided by something, but it's your job. That's your brother. That's your sister on the battlefield. It is your job to go and to lift them up and restore them. That's your job. I wish this was easy in the church. I wish this wasn't messy, but welcome to church. Welcome to church. We, this, trying to figure this stuff out has been a constant struggle. I dealt with some of the stuff in youth ministry, where you come alongside somebody, and you're like, hey, I've been noticing. And then they're like, I hate you, and I'm leaving your, your youth group. Sweet. Cool. OK, I won't take that personal. <laughs> um, but I'm just, trying to do what, I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. You have no control over the response, none. None at all. Um, this does not mean that you get to don the badge of the spiritual police, okay? We, we, we don't need that, okay? The Holy Spirit does a really good job without you. He does. He does an amazing job of convicting, not only convicting individuals of their sins, but also putting it on the hearts of other people to say, hey, you need to check on so-and-so. It doesn't make you a police officer, a spiritual police officer, but that's somebody who is, what, mature in the relationship with the Lord and hearing that and understanding, like, okay, you know what? I'm going I'm to go check on them, okay? How it's handled, you know, it just has to be done gently. But notice that Paul only describes really the, the one side of the story, the one who goes to restore the other person. Because, again, you have no idea how they're going to respond. So if they don't respond in a way that you think they should, what do you do? You give up? No, you don't give up. You don't give up. Here's the other thing you need to keep in mind. You need to make sure that you don't fall into the same temptation, okay? Because that snare that got them is still there, and it could get you as well. So you got to be like, 
That's why New Living Translation says you're gentle, but you're also humble. It's humility, understanding like, man, it, it could be me. Not, not a single one of us is exempt from falling into or getting caught in any kind of transgression. None of us are exempt from that. Every single one of us, that, those you know, snares have been laid out on this path all along the journey. So we want to be humble, considerate of others, and with the goal of, listen, I just want to restore you in the spirit of gentleness. And if I find myself caught in a transgression, I would hope somebody would come alongside me gently and say, you know what? Hey, let's, all right, let's get back up. Let me help you get back up. Let's get back on the right path. Okay? It's all what we want from others. You remember that thing Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you? It kind of makes a lot of sense. And Paul's just like, look, this is reality. We're sinners. And so if anybody's caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's the thing. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens or share in each other's troubles and problems. And in this, in this way, you will obey the law of Christ or bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God with everything that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's, that's, that's it. Like you need simplicity in your life, boom, two things. That's all you, that's all you gotta worry about, two things. Love God and love others. There you go, it's easy, right? Well, easier said than done, yes, but Paul's saying, he's like, bear one another's burdens, this burdens, what he's talking about there. That's that um, tending to the wounded in the Greek. That's when you got a soldier down. That's when there's no man left behind. That's that mentality. Within the church, you have to function in that mentality. No man left behind. And I say man, I know, the times we live in, no person left behind. Let me just say that, okay? No individual left behind. Nobody gets left behind. Nobody gets left behind. But why? Because, because they're part of the family. They're part of the family. And if they go down, then you who are mature, you who are spiritually mature, you stop. In, in order for you to bear somebody else's burden, you have to lay down something within your own life. So if you're going to help somebody out, if you're going to be in this frame of mind where you are available to help people out when they're caught up in transgressions, you can't be conceited. You can't be carrying that burden, that's for sure. You can't be, you know, envious of other people because you'll never help anybody out. That'll never happen. When all you can think about is like, man, I wish I had what they have. Why don't I have what they have? Hey, God, why are you blessing them and not blessing me? Blah, 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 blah. All that nonsense. You'll never help, any, help anybody out. Never, never. You're only hurting yourself. But if you're conceited, if you're envious, if you're jealous, if you're stirring up trouble and provoking one another, you're never going to help anybody out. See, that's a spiritually immature person. The spiritually mature person is always ready and willing to say, hey, how can I help? How can I help? You need some help? Let me, let me help lift you up, drag you safely to the medic where the great physician can work on you and get you back up to speed. Sometimes they don't want to go. Sometimes they need to be drugged, right? 
Sometimes it takes more than one person. And that's what Jesus said in the Gospels. He's like, look, if somebody's messing up, somebody's being a knucklehead, well, then go to them and say, hey, knock it off. What are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. And they don't listen to you. Well, then you take somebody with you and you say, hey, <laughs> knock it off. There's two of us. You know, or two or three are gathered. The Lord is there, so... We're going to drag you to safety, whether you like it or not. You need to be tended to, or you're going to die. Sometimes you got to be aggressive in that realm. But what if they don't want it then? Okay. Okay. I'll let you be. I'll let you be. Until you realize, I think I'm dying here. I think I'm dying. I think I need to go back. Your role... And I'm communicating, hopefully, to the spiritually mature ones. Your role is to always be available. Your role is to be that good witness to them so that they know, and there can never be any denial on their part, because here's what happens. People get caught up, and I'm just going to keep using the word stupidity, because I think that's the best word to describe sin and transgressions. And yes, I know those are two different words, but I'm just going to call them both the same thing. It, they're stupid. Sin makes you stupid. We were just talking about that. My pastor, Bill, always, always told us, sin makes you stupid, okay? So there you go. People get caught up in that. Our tendencies as humans is to look around and say, why anybody help me? Why anybody help me? If somebody would have told me, then I would have stopped. Would you have would you have? Sounds like a cop-out. Sounds like a cop-out because we love passing the buck, right? That's just what we love to do. We're really good at that as being humans and sinners. It's like, oh, it's not my, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I mean, I know I'm part of it, but it's not my fault. No, no, no. It is your fault. But see, you as a spiritually mature ones, you want to take away that excuse by always being available and saying, hey, can I help you? How do I help you? How can I pray for you? I'm noticing this. I'm noticing that. How can I be praying for you? You eliminate the excuse. You take it away by being a good witness, by being a spiritually mature person, by being there for them so that when they hit rock bottom, what are they going to be reminded of? Well, I remember so-and-so was there for me, and I denied it. I didn't accept the offer, but they were there for me. They were there for me. You probably have had experiences that, I would think, to a certain extent within your life. If you've offered that and you've been rejected of that, sometimes people will come back and say, hey, you know what? I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Because you were there. You were there. I've experienced that a few times as a youth pastor. A few times. Students come back after they've been graduated, oftentimes married, and start having kids. And they're like, hey, I just want to say thank you you were there in the hard times and in the good times. You always got to be available, always be available just to help out, to tend to the wounded. He goes on to say, for if anybody thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, no, that's a great verse, by the way. Um, man, you want to memorize something. I'm not saying it applies to you, but I'm saying that's a really good verse to memorize. Um, if anybody thinks he's something when he's nothing, um, he has fooled himself. 
Um, my goodness, uh, I think our world functions off of this verse. I mean, there are so many self-important people in our world right now. What's the problem with self-important people? They don't need any help. They don't need any help. And when we're talking about wounded warriors and all this stuff, um, man, the, the hardest person to save is the one who doesn't think they need any saving. That's the hardest person to save. The hardest type of Christian to come alongside and to help out is the one who doesn't even know that they're in trouble. If you think you're too important to help someone in need, this is how New Loon Translation, just to put a different kind of viewpoint on it. If you think you are too important to help someone in need, you are only fooling yourself. You are really a nobody. <laughs> Thank you, New Loon Translation. There's your boost of self-confidence right there. Um, so that's the flip side. If you think you're too good to help people, well, you need to take another look in the mirror. You need to be available to help people. Just help people out. Let's, go, let's continue on. All right. It goes on, verse 4. But let each one test his own work, your own work. Test your own work. And then, then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. Basically, it's this. Um, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop it. Stop it. When it comes to serving in the church, Quit comparing yourself to other people. You can't measure up to anybody else. The only person you should be concerned about is Jesus and what he thinks. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. That is a big trap that we all have a tendency to fall into. It's really hard to help somebody out when you're so busy comparing yourself to other people. Here's how Christians do this. I wish I was as spiritually mature as they are. I wish I had it all together like them. How do we get there? Oh, it's really easy. I can go there all the time. How? Because I can watch a, a sermon online, or I can listen to a podcast, and I know nothing about the person, nothing about the person. But immediately, there's something that happens inside of me that hears them speak, and I'm like, I bet they're not going through anything I'm going through right now. Sounds like they have it pretty easy. Man, I wish I had it easy. I don't know nothing about these people. Where does that come from? That's selfish is what that is. It, assuming that, you know, oh, they got it better than me. I wish I was in their position. I wish I... No, no, you, you, you may not if you really understood what was happening behind the scenes. You should probably, I should probably learn just to get really content with where God has us and what he's allowing us to go through. Mind your own business is a good word, right? Mind your own business. You don't know what somebody else is going through. They may, may, maybe they're just a better faker than you and I are. I don't know. The world could be a total wreck. And unfortunately, as we've gotten to learn, we've, we've learned to get really good at this in church is to put on this mask of like, everything's good. It's great. Woo, things are great. Or we assume that because they're smiling. And in, behind that smile, they're just like, oh, God, please help me. Like, somebody, please help me out. Be there for each other. Be willing to help out each other. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to be content with where the Lord has you. Just trust him. A, a lot of this stuff just kind of can even just be boiled down, to, boiled down into just trusting the Lord, just trusting the Lord. 
It says, be, be sure to do what you should, for then you will, this is for a New Living Translation, you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Verse 5, for we are responsible for our own conduct, or we, or for each, will have to bear his own load. Well, wait a minute, you just told me to bear the load of other people. Well, no, that's the wounded person. This is a different word. Same word used in the English language, but it's a different term. So what we're talking about here is carry your own pack. It's a military term. It's a military term. So you have your own load, your own burden, we'll, we'll call it, to carry. You're like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. No, it, it is right. It actually is right. And in fact, let me read you this verse real quick. It's one of my favorite verses. I should have it memorized, but I got a... How many kids I got in my house right now? I have six kids in my house right now. Six. Six. Even the state of Texas is like, no more. No moss. Grizzles, which we're grateful for that. We just took in a baby boy. Brand new, newborn baby boy. Um, he's beautiful. He's perfect. He's, man, awesome kid. But I don't care how perfect a kid is. Uh, you add another human being into your life, like, ain't nobody getting any sleep, and nobody's resting. And uh, if anything somewhat comprehensible comes out of this teaching, you can thank Jesus for that, because it ain't me. Um, I'll tell you that right now. I'm running on fumes. Um, but anyways, verse, this is Matthew 11. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary me, uh, and carry heavy burdens, all of us, uh, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you, well, wait, the burden I give you is light. So pre-Jesus, you got a bunch of baggage, and Jesus is like, give me all your baggage. I got a, I got a pack for you. So I'm going to take yours, which is too heavy for you to carry anyways, and I'm going to give you mine. It's suited for you. It's perfectly suited for you. It'll never be too heavy for you. This is your, this is your pack. So what this is talking about in Galatians is you've got to carry your own pack because Jesus gave it to you. You can't pawn it off on other people. You can't pawn it off on other people. So Christians, carry your pack. Oh, I need somebody to come along. No, no, no. If you're not wounded, if you're not wounded, you better be walking with your pack. You better be carrying your load. You have a responsibility. You do. We all do. Jesus gave you a pack, and he expects for you to carry it, and it's light. There's no complaining. There's no complaining. There's no place in the church for lazy Christians. If somebody would just carry this burden for me. No, no, no. That's not, that's not acceptable. What has God called you to do? What has he called you to do? If you understand, man, this is what God has called me to do. Welcome to your pack. Now pick it up and get busy. You can't pawn it off on somebody else. And it is certainly irresponsible to expect somebody else who is carrying their own pack to have to carry your pack because you don't want to get up and do anything. That's irresponsible. And I hate that in the world of the church. Drives me nuts. 
not because I don't, I don't want anybody to show up and to perform and do all that stuff, but there's this notion of like, oh, see, I got to space myself out. No, nonsense. You gave your life to Jesus. He gave you a pack. You should be carrying that pack. What are you doing? Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love and give it.